Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay-Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from The Coaching Habit podcast. Here's your host, MBS. My name is Michael Bungay-Stanier. You are listening to The Coaching Habit podcast, where I get to talk to movers and shakers and thinkers and writers and managers and leaders and coaches, all sorts of people to get a sense of how is coaching showing up in their lives, what tools are they using, how do their lives and others' lives improve by being more coach-like. So it's an eclectic, diverse group of people, interesting conversations, and no more better guest than my guest today, Sally Bonniewell, or Dr. Sally Bonniewell, as I now have to call her. I've known Sally for... 10, 15 years, you know, a long, I think over 15 years. And um, she has been a force for coaching within GSK with GlaxoSmithKline. Um, when I first met her, she was in kind of HR and OD, but really in the time I've known her, she came in, she built and led the coaching center of excellence at GSK. So there's now a team of internal executive coaches plus uh, over 700 other job plus coaches, so, you know, line managers who are responsible for coaching others. And in fact, 2016, they were awarded the ICF Global Prism Award for Excellence in Coaching, which is basically the gold medal in terms of the coaching world. So super impressive. She has a doctoral thesis, that's why I'm calling her Dr. Sally Bonniewell now, on how simultaneous individual and group coaching has a significant and highly positive impact on accelerating the development of female leaders in a complex global organization. So interesting stuff indeed. And we get to talk to Sally just as she's left her uh, career at GSK and is setting out on her own. So an interesting time for her. Hey, Sally, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the, the glowing introduction. Ah, it's a pleasure. I'm super excited to be talking to you because I know this is going to be a great conversation for everybody listening in. Oh, so you. the first question I ask, and it's a perfect one for you, is, um, you know, what's the impact you're looking to have in your work these days. You know, as you know, at Boxer Crimes, we've talked about doing great work, work that has more impact, work that has more meaning. You've just left a career at GSK, so what are you up to? What's your great work these days? Thank you. It's a little early to say exactly what my great work <laughs> yeah, is exactly. after, you know, two weeks of leaving GSK. But the work that I have been doing and that I want to be want to do with other organizations is really seeing how coaching can be used as a strategic lever to achieve business goals. It's, I'm not into coaching, just doing coaching for the sake of doing coaching because it's a nice, good thing to do. I'm into coaching for the difference it can make to the business and the people, it, and then the difference it makes for people in the business because that's what, yeah, that's what's so powerful. That's what's so meaningful is to see the sort of the values of coaching, coaching as a way of being, um, really making a difference in organizations, not just the activity of coaching. It's... Um, right. That's the great work. So, I mean, coaching can sometimes in organizations be kind of put into the, oh, it's a nice thing for HR and they probably keep some engagement stuff happening, which is lovely. Well, meanwhile, we'll do the real business over here. Um, how did you help make that connection between coaching being a driver of business success within GSK? Yeah, it's finding what needs to happen in the business? What is it that the business is concerned about? And whether that's, you know, sale, amount of sales, whether it's time to market, whether it's the success of a new product launch, um, whether it's the how to avoid so much attrition in R&D, whatever it is, mm. 
it's finding out what that is and seeing how coaching can support that. So coaching, whether it's working with teams or working with groups or individuals. So for example, there's in GSK, like many organizations, um, there's a real belief and a desire that having more women at all levels of leadership will be a really good thing right. because we know all the research says organizations are much more effective. Teams make better decisions. They're more profitable if the more diverse the leadership teams are. So we put together um, a rather lovely program called Accelerating Difference, which uses a combination of individual and group coaching so that to support women um, as they progress. But it was it was dialogues and it was sponsorship as well. So it wasn't just coaching, but it really addressed an issue that the you know people have been wrestling with this issue of how do we get right. more women on leadership teams, and this was a way of doing it which used coaching and had such a profound impact where you can really measure it and say yes they get much faster promotion, um, a statistically significantly faster promotion and much higher retention. So you can really demonstrate the value of it right. by by you know by by putting in place that evaluation and so on by really really paying attention to it. That's super cool. Hey, when, when you say group coaching, what do you mean by yeah. that? I mean, I think most people listening in, if they've got any idea of coaching at all, tends to think of the one-to-one coaching. You know, let's, yeah. come, let's have a 30-minute or 45-minute chat. Um, at Box of Crayons, we're a big proponent of the everyday 10 minutes or less. Every coach, every conversation can be more coach-like. But yes. group coaching is a new way of thinking about it for me. So what do you, how does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah, it's very specific in that it's it's different from team coaching um, because there's no specific um, goal or task for the group to do. So the way to use that example I just referred to in terms of women, so group coaching with these with these female leaders was where we had sort of six to eight female leaders together, and it would be they'd spend four or five hours together with two group coaches who would introduce a topic, for example, self confidence, self belief, or self esteem. And they would have a conversation around that, but it would be very much based on on the stories about self-confidence um, that right. the individual people would bring. But then the group coach would do a, some sort of coaching with that with one of the group members, but the other members of the group would then also chip in and do some coaching of each other. And then collectively, you'd review, well, what are the themes that have come up? What resources have we got? How are we resourcing ourselves? How can we do that? And the benefit is where you get that population, the, the similar population together. They're all working in different parts of a business or in different organizations or right. whatever. But they've all got the the fact of in common, they're working in organizations where they are often the minority in teams, but they all want to develop. And it's about learning from each other. But what I found from my study of this was that it really develops the sort of social capital. So it helps build that network. It helps build that connection. And people don't feel so alone, which allows them to go to places they wouldn't have gone to on their own in their individual coaching. They'll go to other places as well. So there's a huge utility in it um, and huge effectiveness. So that's it's different from co- from team yeah. coaching in that where there's a, a leader often and there's a goal or a task and interdependent goals. That's that's not what group coaching is about. Nice. You know, it's it's as I get older, I'm constantly amazed at how non <laughs> it how how universal pretty much all of my experiences are. I'm like, it's only me who's thinking this, feeling this, yeah, suffering yeah. like this. And I'm like, it turns out not so much. Turns out that I'm just feeling pretty much like everybody else in my position is feeling as well. Yeah. So 
That's exactly it, exactly it. And one of the key things that people say is, it's so good to realise I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, I right. thought it was just me who thought like that. And especially if you're um, a sort of a minority of, right. of any form in a team or in, a, in an organisation or in an environment, then it's quite often people turn it in, as you've just said, you know, turn it in on themselves. What's wrong with me? And it basically stops them coming forward with ideas and thoughts or contributing in the way they could. Yeah. So to actually have a safe space where they can have these conversations, they can be challenged, they can receive immediate feedback um, and test out ideas, but builds that connection and then enables them to sort of grow and develop and be much braver or be able to you know, be more solid when they go back into their, their normally working environment. Nice. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, the times where I'm playing the role of a facilitator and you get somebody who sticks up their hand and kind of pushes back or challenges you. And how these days I feel quite grateful for that, you know, anxious at the same time, but mostly grateful because if they're thinking this, it means at least another 30% of people in the room are probably thinking it as well, but they've just been courageous enough to actually say the thing. So it's amazing how just putting that experience on the table, you start to find those connections and that, as you say, social capital. Yeah, exactly. And that, and having a skilled coach who can really, who can a, listen and who role models coaching and what it is to ask questions and to listen. Um, of course, then the, the people in the group learn from that, learn from each other, learn the power of it because they're still thinking, people are still thinking for themselves. Um, and then they use that when they go back into their normal sort of their normal, well, I say normal lives, but the yeah. rest of their, their personal life or, or work right. life. Right. So, Sally, one of, the, one of the things I love about this podcast is we're not just talking about coaching techniques, we're talking about the journey the person has been on to become the thinker, the coach, the influencer that they are today. And one of the, one of the sayings that has always made me laugh and smile and make me go, of course, is this one, which is inspiration is when your past suddenly makes sense. You know, there's been those moments in your past that have been crossroad moments where you've you know, taken a left instead of a right and somehow you've ended up here. So I'm wondering for you, what's a crossroad moment that you had, a, a, a aha moment, which kind of has taken you on this journey and got you to where you are today? Yeah, it was, oh, I did it exactly, I can remember it exactly. I, it was, I was in GSK and mm. I was doing, um, as we said, leadership and organization development. And I was very privileged to work with the chief executive and some very, very senior people. And we, we did all sorts of things like chief executive forum, where we go away with the, the, the top team and we do lots of work with high potentials. And it was all very high profile, really loved some lovely, lovely stuff in lots of ways. And I had a year and I looked back at, across that year and I'd done some really big reorganizations and restructurings all that sort of stuff yeah but i'm also um i was also a governor of a school at the time and doing that i'd had one day where i'd had basically i'd spent a day coaching individually coaching the senior leadership team of this school right and when i look back across look back over that year and i thought what was the work that made my heart sing you know what was the great work right. what was the, the thing that really stood out and it was the day spent with the school individually working with those um the, those the senior leadership team of the school and i thought gosh all this exposure all this wonderful sort of ego stroking stuff right. high status <laughs> high profile you know nice yeah. kind of progress being made that you can track exactly 
And I thought, no, no, the thing that really stood out for me was that that work I'd done. And that prompted me then to actually say, uh, how can I do that in GSK? How can I do that? So then I went and talked to the um, head of HR and said, you know, look, I really think that coaching is the future. And this was, you know, 2010. I said, coaching is the future, individualized development, um, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I want to do it. I want to be an internal coach at GSK. Right. And she thought about it and basically, long story short, came back and said, yes, but no budget. Um, You'll have to do it as a completely self-funding. And so I then took the risk of basically saying, okay, I won't, you know, I still got the salary, but I had to demonstrate and sell my services to the business so that um, it would cover it, cover my salary and well, my, my employment costs. So it was a big risk. But for me, it didn't feel like a big risk because it, I knew it was the right thing I needed to do. I needed to do that. And I, and I trusted and, and it worked out. Yeah, I love that. And I love that last comment around, you know, if you look, view this externally, it can feel quite a risky thing to do. Yeah. And there's something about when you click into that great work, you're like, this is just worth going for. And I have real faith that I can make this work. I don't know exactly how yet, but I really think I can pull this off. And, and let me get nosy, Sally. How did, because I know there'll be people listening who are going, God, that's kind of my situation. How did you sell yourself? How did you prove yourself? What, what, were there any kind of tactics or kind of particularly, you know, in retrospect, smart things you did that made that work? Um, yes, there were some which, you know, happened by, by accident and some which I, I thought through beforehand. And I think it was adopting an approach which said there's sort of, this is multiple levels. So in terms of almost, it was almost creating the market for coaching within the organization. So developing a sort of program which said, what's, what is coaching all about? So a one day program to answer the questions of what is coaching, what isn't coaching, and how do you take a coaching approach um, in everyday work. So very much, very similar to your, the work that you've done and, right. and based, based a lot on the work, the great work that you've done and your views. Oh, you. So you were a huge influence in that. And also then setting up the mechanism, why people, how people could actually then learn and develop their own coaching skills and nice. become these job plus coaches in a boundary way. But how do we do that? Yeah. But in terms of my, so, so I wasn't asked to do that. I just grabbed it. Right. And thought, this is what I, I took the remit of Claire Thomas, head of HR, said, you know, I, I want you can do this coaching, but I want it to be um, building internal capability of coaching, not just using lots of external coaches. Right. So I interpreted that how I wanted to and developed the, uh, <laughs> I love the, that. the yeah. these internal job plus coaches and then developed myself um, by coaching some very very influential people, very senior, the sort of referent leaders, not necessarily the highest level or highest, you know, sort yeah. of grade, but the people who people listen to and look to as good leaders or who leaders, you know, with opinions and, and um, influence. And I made sure either I coached them or someone else coached them who was a brilliant coach. Right. So that so then coaching started to get talked about as the difference it made and people could experience it and people could see it. And then I made sure that we had brilliant external executive coaches mm-hmm. so we did do a sort of sweep through the organization and we cleared out some and we brought in some others but again some very clear criteria as to right. you know what it is um that makes an excellent coach and we just made it really easy to buy coaching we created a very clear process and we delivered on the value of it um and put put together the evaluation the evaluation strategy came later we should have come 
at the same time, but it didn't. It right. came later. Right. Then you suddenly think, oh, I ought to be measuring this. And so we did. <laughs> but it's, um, right. But so lots, lots of different things, but really trusting and and bringing into the, that old sort of maximum, it's better to ask for forgiveness and to ask for permission. I was just about um, to say that, exactly that, that whole, you know, easier to apologize than to explain. It's the same thing, which is like, okay, yeah. some savvy marketing, some savvy yeah. uh, using of influencers, and just yeah. a kind of entrepreneurial hustle to go, let's get something started. Because yeah. once we've got something started, we have a prototype. And if it worked, that's great. If it didn't work, that's great. That tells us what we need to do next. Yeah, exactly that. And experimenting and going where the energy is. Yeah. Because, you know, not wasting a lot of time trying to persuade people or sell people on things, but where you've got people who show an interest, go with them and just do it. And then it sort of travel, word of mouth travels, you know, hugely fast. And then, so it was only later that we sort of then built up the sort of, and doing some things, getting involved in the industry things and external things. So you can continue to build that um, reputation for the organization. So to to keep focused on you and the journey you've taken, um, one of the questions I'm always curious about, because as I look at my own journey, and I noticed that in my endeavor to become a more effective leader and human and coach, um, you know, I keep having to do my own work and I keep having to effectively keep learning some lessons time and time again. So I'm curious to know what, what lessons other people have had to learn. So as you've walked on this path, what's the hard lesson you had to learn or maybe you keep having to learn? Yeah, it's that, what a good what a good thing <laughs> to look at. I mean, and absolutely the continual development, continual learning. Mine and you'll probably think this is a bit weird given everything I've just said, right. but it, it's about recognizing self-doubt. It's about letting self-doubt go and sort of seeing it, seeing it when it comes in, because there's a continual voice which says, are you good enough? <laughs> yeah. Can you do this? What the hell are you um, doing, Bonniewell? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Who do you think you are? Yeah. And then there's a sort of whole self-comparison thing about, you know, oh, but there's other people out there who can do it a lot better or is, the, you know, this really important, high, you know, highly intelligent person really going to listen to me as a yeah. coach and blah, 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 all of that. And is this going to work and, and so on? Just trusting my instincts and recognizing the self-doubt because it's obviously it served a purpose. It's kept me safe and blah, blah, blah. We know that yeah. and all that stuff. But being able to recognize that actually once I start doubting myself and questioning myself, I'll go into a loop and it's just a waste of time. And so just, you know, recognizing the doubts, giving them a quick examination and then letting them go, not right. staying in that loop of, of self-doubt. And I love the way you're uh, in some ways externalizing or objectifying that voice in your head to say, oh, this isn't necessarily the truth. It's just a tape that's playing. And you can get to look at it, see what might be useful in that story, but take that and then not take the rest of the package that comes with it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Recognize this is my stuff. I can make it into something really, you sort of awfulize it. And so that it yeah. becomes something really big, <laughs> but actually it's like cutting that spiral and just stopping it and saying, yeah. no, you could do that, but actually it's a waste of time. Just stop it. I love that. I love the word awfulize. I haven't heard that before. I've heard of catastrophize, which is kind of similar but awfulize is just like you just go to the bad thing right away and, and wallow in it. That's perfect. Mm. So, Sally, as a, a veteran coach, a coach with a doctorate on coaching, um, I know, I, I'm sure that you have just seen a ton of tools, methods, processes, things coaches do to have good success. 
But if you're like me, you tend to have a few tools or questions or models that you come back to as kind of tried and tested and ones that seem to work with most of the people most of the time. So I'm wondering, you know, what's in your toolbox? What's a what's a approach, method, process, tool, whatever that you kind of rely on and come back to time and time again? Um, there's a couple that I use. One is that I've used for a long time now that is really simple. It's so simple. It's helping the client, inviting the client to sort of uh, recognize, you know, two lists. What's their default self and what's their best self? Love it. And it's so simple. Um, but but there's something about it that just helps them crystallize the what's their natural or you know default way of operating. What would they tend to do? What's a habitual way of being? And then getting them to look at, okay, so if you're operating from your best self, what would your best self do? And and really, or what does what does your best self do in situations? And just there's something by getting them to write it down. Yeah. Um, it's just that they can refer to outside of the coaching session. So it's really helping them, giving them the power to be able to do this. It's, it's just seems to, and that's what people say, is, is something very simple, but really helpful. The other thing is a model that, I've come across just in the last year, and I found it to be surprisingly, really, really useful. And it's you've probably come across it. It's the Offman model. Um, I, I don't a, think I know this. Yeah, it's by I. I hadn't heard of it. Um, but it's by a guy called Offman. Surprisingly. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, um, <laughs> and he's a Dutch guy. Um, and it's about the sort of the it builds on that the whole thing about you know an overdone strength becomes a limitation. Yes, and it takes this to a different level because it's a quadrinity model. So four aspects to it. So you identify your qualities, and then you look at and what happens when they're overdone, and you know which he calls then they become a pitfall. Right. And then it's about looking at the um, so what's the negative opposite of the pitfall? So it becomes your your challenge, your development challenge. So what do you need to develop more of? But the really what the what the really neat thing is, and which allow of this model, which allows you to enter it in many different places, is that if you look at that sort of the the development challenge or thing you want to you need to build up, um, if that is overdone, then it creates an allergy. And the way you can obviously spot allergies is when you have an allergic reaction to somebody else. And if right. you look at that person, quite often there's something in there that really actually you need to get a bit more of yourself. Right. And this Offman model, and there's a very lovely YouTube clip. If you if you you know go into YouTube, it's the the five minute animated um, explanation of this model. But there's something about it that really suddenly makes a lot of things very clear for people in terms of if they're having problems, particularly if they're having problems with their boss or having problems with someone else that's really sort of irritating them. It just helps them to recognise what they can do about it, not changing the other person, but what they can do and what they can learn from it. So it's a really neat little model so i think i follow that but i'd love you to bring it to life for me so let's say that one of my strengths is creativity so yep. i see how i see how being creative is one of the things i'm good at but when it becomes an overused strength it just becomes annoying because i'm too scattered i'm not focused enough yep. i can't make a decision i irritate all the people who are action oriented um, I start a thousand things and I don't finish any of them. I'm not saying any yep. of this is true about me right now, but just hypothetically, let's say that yes. that is true about me. Yes. Yeah. So that, that takes me to the extreme. What's yes. the next step? 
Okay, well, let's just think about it then in terms of if you think about um, somebody who is who really you have an allergic reaction to someone who you just who just either irritates you or you think I really couldn't work with that person. Yeah. Um, What would they be like? What are some qualities that they, they they would exhibit? They would be bureaucratic. They would be process focused without seeing the big yep. picture. They yep. would be just kind of overly worried about the minutiae. Um, yep. th- uh, that's some of the things that come to mind. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So yeah. very process driven or bureaucratic. So yeah. quite sort of rigid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so if you then take the sort of step, what is the sort of the quality that's being overdone there? So what if is something that in the same way, Ah, uh, what's being overdone there? Well, I think an adherence to we've got to follow the rules rather than we're seeing the bigger picture about what we're actually trying to achieve here. Yeah. And so as part of that, more subtly perhaps there's a deference to power and kind of uh, an embracing of subservience. Yes. And there's a sort of the, you could think about it in terms of the use of either structure or the um, looking at it from a perspective of they are following, blindly following something without sort of using their own initiative. Exactly. And so it's easier when you write it down, I hasten to add. Right. what you can see is that actually there from that use of either structure or having some semblance of of process actually sometimes with your creativity to help you develop it might be useful Mm. to use some sense of structure or some sense of uh, process right so the irritating person's pointing to um, a middle way where there's something that they've got is valuable but you're seeing the most extreme version of that, and instead of rejecting it all, maybe embrace a, a small part of it. Yes, as something that you might want to develop from yourself because you might benefit from that balance, right. but also in terms of seeing that actually they're not all bad and they have got some, they do bring something, and right. the fact that it's overdone. So That's... it just helps to understand other people, but also helps in terms of how you might be able to help yourself improve as well. I love that. Sally, this has been such an interesting conversation and, and that's such an interesting tool we've finished up on. For people who are more who want to find out more about you and the work you do, I mean I know you're literally, you know, two weeks out from GSK. Do you have a after GSK home, a website or something like that? Bonniewelldevelopment.com. Perfect. Bonniewelldevelopment.com. And you'll have a way of contacting you on the on the website when the time is right. Exactly. Sally, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's so nice to talk to you again. Oh, thank you, Michael. It's been my pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to mbs.works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best-selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's mbs.works.